What is up, everybody? Anthony Kazenzi here from CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Is this show, this is the Happening Headlines program episode that we do weekly, and I am joined by a very special guest. Usually, I said this before we took the air, usually this is, I mean, it's fun to do the Happening Headlines, but it's always much more fun when I do it with somebody else, especially Someone like my guest, Josh Isles, who is the architect of one of, if not the biggest, face Bengals Facebook forum pages on Facebook, as well as uh, Who Day Nation podcast, all kinds of different stuff. He's out there and doing all kinds of cool stuff with the Bengals. Josh, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, doing well, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, talking some Bengals. We'll go yep. through some headlines as we normally do. Talk about the AFC North and NFL. Thanks for carving out some time. Before we kind of get to uh, the, the headlines and all the things that we want to get to with the Bengals, want to remind folks, first of all, that they can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Got to subscribe to the Cincy Jungle channel, podcast channel, through your favorite audio streamer. And we are there. Leave us a review if you could. And then beneath Josh on his side of the screen by that SB Nation logo down there amid the grass, uh, you can click our show logo to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available, all that good stuff. And then, of course, the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, a, a big page, albeit not as big as the one that Josh has created there on Facebook. And we will... Want, we want to promote that and talk about that before we get to the um, the headlines and whatnot. So let's start with this Facebook page, man. Tell us a little bit about it. This is, and I'll pin this here, uh, this group, so that yeah. people can ask for access. You are an admin. You are a creator of this Facebook page. And man alive, uh, 160,000 <laughs> followers on this thing. So tell us a little bit about wow. it. Uh, yeah, uh, we started that group probably five years ago. Uh, it was me and I think two other guys that were the ones that forefronted starting it. And um, we were always chasing, trying to like just become the the largest Bengals uh, group on Facebook, but also like maintaining the quality of the group and, uh, you know, making sure it's not overrun by spam, which is a problem on Facebook and all that. <laughs> so, you know, we started it and, and over this past season, we were we were uh, growing a lot and um getting around i think early in the season we were still approaching twenty thousand members like early oh, wow. in the season and um yeah and you know it grew and throughout the season i think we passed 30 and 40 and then once we got to the playoffs it was like 20 30 40 000 over the course Whoa. of a couple of weeks you know what i mean like it was just over that playoff run that really exploded it um and we're surprised because, you know, we looked around at other Bengals groups and it wasn't like they were also growing to those amounts. Um, so I guess we had something good going on. It's uh, it's a fun spot to talk. Uh, when you have that many people, you get uh, um, some great conversations and you can have some dumb ones that occur. It's the Internet. Yeah, the random tinfoil hat ones come out every once yeah. in a while. But you guys do a good job of of kind of maintaining the integrity of the, of the page and, you know, obviously respectful dialogue, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really impressive what you've built there. And then an offshoot and something I think is, is newer than the Facebook page that you have uh, created. And I have, uh, I was lucky enough to be on this show last week, talking some bangles with you. And that was a lot of fun. This is yeah. the YouTube channel here. Um, WDN today. And I will pin mm -hmm. the, uh, 
I will pin the links there in the live chats for folks to go and subscribe there. Um, if you don't want to hear me yammer, which uh, <laughs> I can completely understand, you've got some other stuff going on there. Obviously, kind of with the growth of the Facebook page, this kind of became a, a necessity and or passion project for you, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, like we said, with the, the Facebook group be, being more of like a forum, um, that doesn't necessarily um, represent my individual content. So I just wanted an avenue where I could still put out Bengal stuff that um, is coming from me um and um started wdn today we're on youtube uh, i make i've done two podcasts now you were on number two with me last week um but i'm also on facebook and twitter and instagram and along with just the podcast i just uh do general bangles content so far uh even been making some original bangles memes that are kind of fun uh did a joe burrow most interesting man in the world uh <laughs> last week that went over pretty well uh nice. so you know just uh, just some fun content for Bengals fans, especially this time of the year. Well, you do you do a great job, and uh, I appreciate you uh, you know being a good soundboard for a lot of different Bengals fans. And you know what's cool about your your Facebook page too is you do a good job of you know allowing content creators like myself and many others out there to post kind of interviews or different stuff that they have going on there. So uh, we appreciate that uh, very yeah. much. And and, and quickly. You mentioned you live in Florida, right? Yes. Uh, so how how did the Bengals fandom come about for you there? Where are you originally from Ohio or mm -hmm. what what was the what's the yeah, background? Yeah, so um, I'm from Cincinnati, born and raised. Um, I grew up in Ohio in my 20s and then until I was 25 I was either in Cincinnati or Kentucky. Um, and then about 5 years ago moved to Florida. Um, and then actually this year was my first season that I've become a, a season ticket holder in my whole life. And I still live in Florida. Um, so it's been interesting already uh, trying to map out the season since the schedule releases, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. Let's just kind of get to it. I wanted to do an intro and obviously promote all the great things that you're doing. So we're going to run through some headlines and I want to get your thoughts on this stuff here. Um, this, this one, kind of a fun one to start off with. We'll kick it off here. And this is on cincyjungle.com. T Higgins gives Tyler Boyd a new nickname, Chihuahua. Uh, did you hear about this one? I, I, this is kind of, this kind yeah. of popped up and, uh, I've briefly heard about it in passing and, and, and kind of laughed, but, uh, it's, I, I guess I, I get where he's coming from, but it's not in any way, like some kind of nickname that's going to intimidate anybody. Yeah. It's so that. <laughs> It's via Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com, and this is on both that site and uh, CincyJungle.com. The quote is, but he's never been a big numbers guy. The guy, Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins, calls Chihuahua because he's endlessly yapping with high energy, is a dog, pure and simple, and in a locker room these days, that's the highest of compliments. So I guess on the surface, it doesn't seem like the biggest compliment, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's – it's an interesting nickname. I, I guess there's, once you dig deep into the name, I guess it makes a little more sense. And you go, there's the compliment. I get it. Now. Sure. Yeah. No, and, and I, I get it from a team perspective. Uh, it's, it's good to have locker room guys like that, that um, bring that, that extra layer of energy um, that not everybody is hardwired with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, yeah. So if you have those guys in your locker room that just, just increase the, the levels of, of, whether it's just goofing around or, you know, intensity in general, but in practice reps, um, it's good to have those guys. 
It is. And Boyd obviously has, you know, one of the very few holdovers from the Marvin Lewis era and a guy that has kind of ascended himself both with his on-field play and really his attitude, his demeanor. And, you know, I, I the one thing about Tyler Boyd that really impressed me, and I think that's what's resonated with Zach Taylor and this staff, is his attitude and approach during the really bad years and the early years of Zach Taylor. You know, you look back at 2018, I know that was Marvin Lewis. You look back at that year, you look back at 2019 when things were just all over the place. Obviously, you know, 2020 Burroughs there, but he gets hurt. And just to me, I think what, what's really brought him to the forefront as a, in a leadership role is just kind of, you know, He's a guy that through all of that still played the same way, still play. I remember the Miami game. I think that was 2019 where it was kind of the, the tank yeah. pull, right? Whether yep. you're going to get Tua or Burrow. I, or I was or at that game actually. Oh, you were? Okay. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. So you remember how hard he was playing in that game and mm-hmm. that season was just a, an absolute mess. And you look yep. at that and you go, that's probably where he gained. I mean, he already had a lot of respect in that locker room, but I mean, that game, I think kind of was like, Hey, that, that he got a lot of respect there for what he did that day. Yeah, especially in the NFL when you're you're playing for basically nothing at the, towards the end of a season. Right. Right. Yeah, that was the one I think he was limping around and you know, he he was charging to the line. He was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, it's come a long way since you said early on in his career. Uh I even remember the early years. There was it was like maybe year two or three with him where he would be getting like healthy scratches from the active roster. And I'm like, I don't I didn't even know what was going on with the guy because it like we saw it from early on that he could be you know, at least amongst the rotation of wide receivers. Um, so obviously he's gotten his chance and proved to be the, over the past few years, one of the better slots in the league. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. And a key component to what the Bengals like to do on offense for sure. Let's keep going here. The, this one, I think we've talked about this maybe before, but um, the wide receiver rankings includes their top pro football focuses, top wide receiver rankings include three Bengals, not too much of a surprise here, but um, he's rated as the sixth Jamar chase rated as the sixth overall wide receiver in the NFL. According to PFF Higgins makes the, the same list at number 13 overall. Um, and that's, you know, he, he actually came ahead of Chris Godwin on that. And Godwin obviously is a very good player. And then you've yeah. got Tyler Boyd, who's the uh, highest rated wide receiver three on the list at 28th overall. What do you think of these rankings and too low, too high, just right. What do you, what are you thinking? I think it's a mix. Uh, I, I love uh, the respect given to Tyler Boyd getting in there is the, you said the highest ranked number wide, rec- wide receiver number three. Um, Cause like I mentioned about him being the best, one of the best slots over the past few years, you can statistically break that down where he is very easily argued the best slot. Um, so, you know, them giving him credit there. Um, I love T at 13. I think Chase is a a little low. I think he should uh, really? be, you know, in the top five. Like, okay. um, uh, he's, you know, I, I think they're just not putting him up there yet because he hasn't had, he doesn't have the the resume for it yet. It's just mm-hmm. one one season, and you never know. But uh, we watched all those games, and as long as he's healthy and out there, and Joe's healthy and out there, uh, it's going to be hard to. Uh, match up to his stats. Obviously, you got a guy like Cup that's going to have the pure volume. That's one and a half right. times of what Chase is getting. But I don't know. I think Chase is unreal. I've 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 watched the Bengals for close to twenty years now, and some of the things he does is unlike anything I've really watched from a football standpoint. And I'm not trying to be like <laughs> dramatic saying that. 
Yeah, no, that's uh, most definitely. And then, you know, you look at Higgins. Higgins now starting to get quite a bit of run, um, number 13 overall on the on the list. And when you're technically a wide receiver two in the NFL, um, you know, coming in at 13 overall on this yeah. list is, is pretty impressive. So, you know, he has the, of course, a little bit more of a resume over Chase, just having that extra year there and obviously working with backup quarterbacks towards the end of his rookie year. But, um, you know, that's that's an impressive designation for Higgins going into year three here. Absolutely. I think um, I'd love to go through the 32 teams and just look at wide receiver ones and uh, see how many teams he would uh, be the wide receiver one for. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was almost half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Bengals getting a lot of run and getting a lot of respect in the wide receiver PFF rankings. Now they brought in a new guard this offseason in Alex Kappa to really shore up the offensive line. He, Ted Karras, obviously Cordell Volson and Leo Collins all brought in this offseason to shore things up here. It wasn't just the wide receivers that the that PFF had been ranking of late. They have ranked guards. And where do you think Alex Kappa lands? He is um, here in tier four, which is known as solid starters. And you see some of the names here. And I'd be curious to see how you feel about this. Trey Smith, who had a good year with the Chiefs. Connor Williams, a guy that some people thought would be a, a target of the Bengals this offseason, who just went over to Miami along with Teron Armstead. You had Cody Whitehair, Matt Filer, who that was a guy I thought would be a good fit for the Bengals last offseason when he went to L.A. and joined the Chargers. You got Daniels, who another potential target for the Bengals, went to the Steelers and has been um, showing some nice things at OTAs and whatnot there. So some of the names there you see, uh, Corbett Saffold a little bit on the older end of things there, um, and Elijah Vera Tucker, a, a first-round pick from a couple years ago with the Jets. But uh, what, do you, what do you think of the company there? Kappa is keeping in that designation of being a, quote-unquote, solid starter in Tier 4 of PFF rankings. I, I like it. Um, you know, when you read it on paper and, you know, just with the quote of solid starter, uh, if you're calling this guy a solid starter compared to what was there uh, last year, um, we can do a lot with that. Um I've seen, you know, with this joking about Facebook threads and uh, how uh, people can have some silly takes, um, you know, people talking about Joe Burrow is going to get sacked only less than 10 times or this and that. But it, if Joe Burrow gets sacked 40 times next year, that's a that's a huge improvement <laughs> from yeah, the yeah. prior season, um, which I don't even think he'll get sacked 40 times. But regardless, um, I love love the, the Kappa upgrade. Um We've obviously, I think, widely improved across the line when you just break down the grades and um, what these guys have done in the NFL. Um, we've kind of mentioned, too, though, uh, we we need to stay healthy up front because um, then it can get a little thin um, after the the fir first stringers. Uh, it, it, it can, and we've got a little bit more on the other guard position, someone vying for that position. You and I talked a bit about that. Um, you know, last week when I was on your show. So a name there, we've got a little bit of news or non-news, I guess, as it goes with someone there. And someone else who is poised to have a big impact on this team is he's coming off an injury. He's a guy that the Bengals are going to rely upon, not necessarily as a starter, but as a heavy rotational player, you would think, on defense. And he is starting to show some good things here as he comes back. But the hype, once again, with Joseph Osai, it started last year. He had that amazing preseason game 
And then he had kind of like a small injury. Then it was all of a sudden, no, by the way, he needs surgery. And now he's done for the year. Um, but he is back doing a lot of side work, side field work and whatnot. This is on Bengals Wire, a great site uh, that does a lot of great work on the USA Today network here. And right now, Osai was talking to Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic saying, uh, you got to go take it, talking about his ability to come back and contribute and be a guy that I think we all think he can be based on what he showed in that one preseason game and a little bit of training camp last year. But um, nothing is going to be handed to me just because people expect things from you. Just because you had a good game, nothing is going to be handed. I still have to go out there and compete. We have a great room full of guys that can rush the passer. Hopefully I'll do enough and my coaches and teammates will trust me to have that position. So I, again, a little bit of player speak here, Josh, but a guy that I think we can all agree as Bengals fans and those of us covering the team, I think we're all pretty excited about what this guy can bring to the table. And really, when you look at the end of last season, that extra pass rusher off the edge, that extra juice off the edge mm -hmm. was missing a little bit because of the high volume of snaps that Hendrickson and Hubbard had to take. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, he's, I've, I've used this word almost a lot this offseason with uh, versatility, like a Swiss Army knife. But uh, um, he's a he's a great uh, use for for pass rush, just like you said. Not only coming in on third down and lining up on the edge, but you can you can leave your other defensive ends in and put him at outside linebacker to just for a third down rush as well. Uh, I believe at Texas he played almost everywhere inside the box. Um, he was playing outside linebacker, inside linebacker, and end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I think if he's healthy, uh, it's a huge addition to our pass rush and um, our ability to get that defense off the field. Yeah, it's it's just, I mean, there's so many things, uh, elements to creating a successful team in the NFL. And one of it, of course, is protecting your passer. And the other, of course, is getting to the other team's passer. It's an old cliched saying, but, I mean, it really rings true. And when you look at, quite honestly, how the Bengals – season ended how the super bowl went played out i mean that that cliche really rang true um mm -hmm. in the fact that you know burrow didn't have the protection that we all would have hoped and it ended up at the end kind of biting him in the butt so to speak and um you know they, they had opportunities mm -hmm. to take that game but um yeah i mean again if you're able to get to the passer if you're able to protect the passer those are two keys and and as even if you've got settled starters like the Bengals have at their edge positions having another guy and spelling guys are being able to kind of mix up looks up front. That's always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Everywhere in the NFL, depth is always a thing you want. Yeah, most. Definitely. And I was actually, I was actually at that uh, preseason game last year where he got the sack. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was down down your neck of the woods as well. Yeah, he. It, there were a couple of performances by uh, some edge rush, some backup edge rushers in the preseason last year. Osai in that game, he was an animal. And I, I can't remember which game it specifically was, but Khalid Kareem, I think it might have been that same game or maybe against Miami. I can't really remember. But there was another mm -hmm. game where Khalid Kareem in the opening series had, you know, uh, two pressures in a sack or something like that or a pressure in yeah. a sack. And um, no, so, I don't think it was that one because they got out of that drive really quick after the Osai sack. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it was. I think it was later on after mm-hmm. Osai was lost, and then Khalid Kareem was in there. I think it might have been preseason game number three, but it was uh, pretty impressive that some of those backup guys were playing well, and hopefully they can build that rotation going forward. I'm Anthony Cazenza. This is the Orange and Black Insiders Happening Headline Show. We do this every week where we run through the headlines with the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North, and the rest of the NFL. I usually fly solo on this thing. Every once in a while, I have some special guests like today, including Josh Isles, who is the architect, administrator of the biggest Bengals Facebook forum page, Day Nation, and of course, WNT, uh, WN, WDN Today, the <laughs> podcast that he has created as well. And uh, does a great job covering the Bengals and and providing a lot of cool content for for Bengals fans. And we're happy to be chatting with him and just kind of shooting the stuff, if you will, yeah. about the Bengals going on here as OTAs and and whatnot. Uh, there there are a lot of on field workouts that have continued, um, and we'll get to some some sights and sounds of those from today specifically. We've got a, just a rankings heavy, a arbitrary rating type of day on the happening headlines here, Josh, Joe Burrow checks in at number six in the NFL quarterback rankings. This was based. um, Let's see. This was over at uh, pro football network um, ranking this. And here's the breakdown of it. Joe Burrow is already beginning to hit mythical levels of reputation. The Cincinnati Bengals playoff run and Burrow's quote style have put some lofty expectations on his future. The Team didn't seem like a Super Bowl contender. They finished 12th in offensive DVOA and 24th on defense. Um, and then you can kind of look at some of the other tidbits. Burrow produced the highest CPOE in the league last season. He's an accurate passer who manages the pocket incredibly well. And then, of course, getting chase was all the Bengals needed to unlock the offense. Sixth in the league here. What do you What are you feeling on that one? Josh, too low on that one for you? Or is this still kind of the Jamar Chase, not not too heavy of a resume yet in order to get him in, in that top five or higher? I think it's it's pretty fair. Um, I I would flip-flop him and Herbert. I think Herbert's uh, had a just better situation. Um, that's just gave him a, a better stat line for his first two years. But mm-hmm. he's a great quarterback. I just I, – I, you know, I, I think he's just they're giving him the the nod, not the notch, the the I can't even find the word, the nudge. They're giving him the nudge just because um, he's got a bigger arm and he plays in a bigger market. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But there's a lot more to it. Um, and I, I, I would flip flop that. But the other ones are totally fair. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, even Josh Allen has a pretty nice resume so far in his early career. Um, not a Super Bowl berth. Um, right. But uh, it's fair. Um, Joe's played 1.5 seasons, so like six best quarterback in the NFL is pretty nice. Yeah, no, I feel you. I'm 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 with you on this one too. And I feel like, you know, the whole thing with as we would go back to that 2020 debate. I mean, even if Tua was part of that conversation for some folks, but really it was for <sighs> for a lot of folks, it was Herbert and Burrow. Um, if, if you're the Bengals or you know picking a top there and. It was, you know, you've got a little bit more of the football IQ, a little bit more accuracy and the the intangibles with Joe Burrow, but you have kind of the size, the big arm, a little more athleticism potentially in Justin Herbert. And, uh, you know, both guys, to their credit, I know it hasn't played out for Herbert on the postseason side of things, but both guys, to their credit, have come in and played really, really well. Um, I think I, I always have this dream because I was on the West Coast here. I was a big Justin Herbert guy. 
um, at the time in, in, in college. And I thought he kind of got knocked a little bit unfairly his final year at Oregon there. But, um, you know, I, I, I have this kind of romanticized dream of, you know, down the road, you know, one of the big uh, iconic playoff matchups down the road. Yeah, it could be Mahomes and, and Burrow. Yeah, it could be Allen and Burrow. But that Herbert Burrow in that same class, yeah. uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of force, and then there's some history between the Chargers and the Bengals anyway in the postseason. So, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, you kind of figure maybe, maybe that'll rekindle. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I like the idea of that. And, you know, like almost like a, a, a Brady uh, Manning a little bit, um, you know, similar yeah, ages. Yeah. Um, but I think when you look at like compare the two and you're looking at Joe Burrow scouting report and you're giving him the edge, you, you say, I T he's got it. He's just got it. You know what I mean? Uh, I, we watched Andy Dalton for a decade um, and I love and appreciate what Andy Dalton did for us, but he did not have it. The it factor just, you know, the, I, I think even the difference between Joe and uh, Herbert is like, Herbert's extremely talented. He would have came in the Cincinnati and put up nice numbers and, and been a really good player for us. But I don't know if he would have changed the culture as quickly as, as the combination of Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor and um, this group has. Um, the fact that he could come in and within a couple games into his rookie year, everybody in that locker room already looked to him as the guy. Um, that doesn't really happen in the NFL. Yeah, that's a that's a – fantastic point and actually i i already clicked out of the screen there but if you go back and look at the reasoning of uh why pro football network kind of had him maybe a little bit lower than a herbert or others you know they talked about dvoa and you know there were 12th on offense or what have you but yet like you said it's exactly like you said the it factor because it the sentence on that was they didn't look like super bowl contenders yet somehow some way this team surprised everybody and it was on the right arm of Joe Burrow largely. I mean, the defense played above expectations, I think, and some other elements really came together. Joe Mixon had a career year, obviously Jamar chase, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at it, it's like, I, I think that's why some people are saying, Oh, what a fluke, what a fluke. Well, yeah. it's, it's, I, I know I hate that, but the thing with it is, like you said, it he's got it, and so when even when things don't look the prettiest, even when it doesn't seem like this team is going to go as far as it potentially could, there's Burrow kind of dragging everybody along, and um, that's that kind of plays to what what you're talking about there. Yeah, some of the, some of those plays he was making in the second half of that Kansas City game were just extremely definitive. Of that 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 third down conversion where he broke out of those sacks from Chris Jones, spun out. And it just excess expense extends the ball across. It was, yeah. it, it was a play that was just unbelievable that he almost made look casual. It, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Routine routine, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. no, he just throws a couple all pro 300 pound linemen off of him and spins out and runs 10 yards right. for the first down and a huge, huge moment in the game. Like, Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of when you knew too. When even when they were down in that game, you kind of knew that something special was going to happen when he was making plays like that. Just kind of scrapping away, even when things weren't going totally their way at certain times yeah. in that game. But um, yeah, and that's so, what, that's what I, those guys do. That's right. That's right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And it must be Tyler Boyd day on the show because we're talking a lot <laughs> of Tyler Boyd. But this is an article from a few days ago from Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. And only Mr. Hobson. I, God, we got to get him back on this show. I, I haven't had him <laughs> on in a long time, but I, I love the guy. Only he could come up with such an awesome nickname, title, Sultan of Slot. Slot. Because if you know Jeff, Josh, he is a big uh, old school baseball guy. I mean, he loves football. He covers the Bengals. But he is a Boston Red Sox guy. Mm -hmm. He loves East Coast teams, the history of the Yankees and the Red Sox and everything. He's all about that. So when you see the Sultan of Slot, I'm going, that is just vintage jeff hobson yeah but it what's interesting about this you never really thought about it because when i started reading this i go wow yeah that's actually kind of interesting that tyler boyd is creeping up the record the team record books in receiving yards catches all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. never really thought about that and when we last week john sheeran and myself had a conversation about who the next few ring of honor candidates should be or who would we be electing in on this next go around and with two spots left it's really difficult to you know go that route but um to to narrow it down easily rather but here you go here tyler boyd now is is creeping up on some of these kind of big names in Bengals receiving history which is a little I, i guess I shouldn't say it's surprising, but you just didn't think I didn't think of it that way. And now when you're kind of learning about this, you go, oh, yeah, he's he's had some really productive seasons. That's putting him mm-hmm. right in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I know that, uh, you know, other than him, the first one that comes to immediate memory, you think about is, is T.J. Hushman mm-hmm. Um And uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's he's right around there with uh, comparable numbers to what Hush did in his career at the Bengals. Uh, if not past him in a couple spots, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm pretty sure, but I'm spitting off the top of my head there. Um, but yeah, like he's just been extremely consistent since he's been in the rotation as our slot guy for what, uh, almost like at least almost five years now. Um, yeah. uh, you know, if I, I, I'm a fan of the guy, I hope he, uh, stays with us beyond his next contract or this contract. Yeah, this so it's uh came to the team in in 2016 but like you said was kind of the more regular slot guy the past really four five yeah. years I guess. Um and, and so you see here he's patiently slithering and creating through the crevices left by the greats to leverage his own legacy. By the time October arrives he should be the seventh Bengals wide receiver and second youngest to 400 career catches since he needs only a dozen. And by the time of November's by Boyd and his calendar reliable hand should have wriggled into the top five past ring of honor candidates, Isaac Curtis, who still does not get the attention that he deserves for what he did. And, you know, I mean, just yeah. what he was doing in that generation of football was unbelievable. Chris Collinsworth as well as feel their way through the decades to become the ninth Bengal receiver to reach 5,000 yards. So, um, and then Burrow just tacks on. He's one of the best, one of the best, um, said Burrow of Boyd. So I, it's just you get these reminders and you go, yeah, gosh, yeah, we got to we got to give proper due to a guy like Tyler Boyd, who has shown that he's productive and consistent. Well, in the in the Bengals uh, wide receivers all time are just might be their 
deepest position like in their franchise's history when you really think about it. So if yeah. you're creeping up the all-time list of wide receivers for the Bengals, you're you're doing you're doing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, and then he's still putting up the numbers as the number three guy in you know in the in the passing attack. So pretty impressive. Right, right. We'll keep it rolling here. This is from the great crew over at All Bengals and Nicole Zembrot recently sat down with a good friend of our show as well, Mr. Ken Anderson, former NFL MVP, Super Bowl quarterback for the Bengals. And Ken Anderson believes that the Bengals could be much improved following offseason additions is the headline there. And uh, Nicole had a great interview, sit down with him for, I believe it was about 15 minutes or so, maybe even longer. Um, I caught part of it, did not get all of it so far, but a really fun interview. And, um, you know, there's uh, some quotes here. The, the Bengals could be better this year than last year because of addressing the offensive line. Ken Anderson told them uh, at all Bengals, Joe's going to have more time to throw. I think having more time and not getting the hits, there will be drives that will be extended because they're not in third and long situations. We'll see an offense now that could be successful running the football. Therefore your play action is better. It takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback, a guy who would know something about playing quarterback at a high level in the NFL, Mr. Ken Anderson. So I don't know if you caught the interview here, Josh, but uh, some interesting tidbits in it. And Ken Anderson, always a great uh, ambassador for the Bengals. And of course, we can't say it enough. Go support the Ken Anderson Alliance and the great work that his foundation does by donating or getting involved how you can. But uh, last year when we had Ken on our show, Josh, it was, he was, you know, maybe a bit more optimistic than John and I were. We thought the Bengals would be competitive Uh um and and you know i I think we had him on at two separate occasions one was shortly after the season ended uh in the january february months before the draft and then um, we had him on again in the summer with the ring of honor kickoff and all that stuff and so as we got him in summer we were like oh yeah we're we're feeling you now a little bit but early he was he was really on the bangle saying you know I, i really feel that 20 2021 is going to be a really good season and now he's and speaking with all Bengals is built upon that and saying they could be even better than they were last year. Yeah. Um, I think with the quote talking about this year, he, he really hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of us are feeling that from the off season additions. Um, but to even jump back to like last season, um, I, you know, last season I felt we were going to make a jump. Um, I didn't think we were going to make a Super Bowl run by any means. That's um, how I felt. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I felt like people were sleeping on us. I really did, because uh, if you go back to the 2020 season and um, watch that game, those that season through when Joe was playing, we're in every game, and there was a handful of games that we could have swung either way. They, you know, and they say that about the NFL all the time. But we were we were a few field goals away from a 500 or better record the season before. Um, and if Joe doesn't get hurt, we might have still done that. Um, so people being surprised that we went from um, what was it like four or five wins to eleven wins uh, or ten wins? I mean, um, I don't think they were watching close enough, honestly. Um, but then that being said, you jump to this season. We um, go to the Super Bowl with um, scraps at the offensive line, and no disrespect to those guys, um, but their grades kind of show that um, they just weren't. It wasn't a good year. Um, and they were in the Super Bowl. Um, we addressed that situation and got above average players at every spot that we needed to on the offensive line. Um, and and um, majorly brought back the roster that went to the Super Bowl. Um, the people that are saying we were a fluke last year, 
I think just aren't paying enough close attention. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. And, you know, it's it's not just a blanket statement that Ken made apparently there. It's it's nuanced in, in terms of how drives could be extended just simply mm-hmm. because of in, improved offensive line play. And then you look at what the Bengals my, – my big thing with it is the Bengals were explosive on offense for much of last year. There were some dry spells, some peaks and valleys and all kinds of different things. But where, where I really saw – some trouble and where where it was a little surprising in some ways that they made a Super Bowl run was the red zone issues and the inability to get in the ed, end zone in the postseason, not not in the regular season, but in the postseason. Um, they were just not getting in the end zone very regularly and they were relying on big kicks from Evan McPherson. So while Ken Anderson in this interview talked about how drives could be extended and those turn into field goals instead of potentially punts. I would even take that a step further based on how I have felt with the offensive mm-hmm. line improvements in that field goal drives or long, long field goal tries by Evan McPherson in which he was highly successful at last year. Now those become more makeable touchdown opportunities because of improved offensive line play. And, and, and so at that point, if you're talking about number one, a stacked AFC and trying to get through that, both in your division and in the conference. And then of course, returning to the Super Bowl and winning it. That's a big key to that, to that formula. And I, I feel like they've improved upon that. Absolutely. And then on the back end of that, extending drives and and maybe getting more points out of drives, you're only helping your defense out. Yep. And you're only giving them a, an easier slate to work with more rest on the sideline. So they can go out for the next series. Um, I think it's a win-win. Um, you have these uh, analysts across uh, big media with like Keyshawn Johnson recently and a few different <laughs> people that just um, they think that now that the the rest of the AFC North is healthy, that suddenly we can't we won't be able to keep up. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I get it. We have a, a stigma that this franchise created nationally. Uh, time to just do it and do it again, you know. Yeah, they're they're saying time's running out on the Cinderella story, but we'll see what <laughs> happens is, here. Which is silly because we're actually a year ahead of the Cinderella story. Honestly. Right, right, right. That's exactly right. Uh, I know you love talking about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> you you uh, mentioned, uh, you know, on your podcast, you're like, man, I, I feel like we need a respite from talking about Jesse Bates here. But um, there is a little bit of an update here. This is from Chris Rolling over at Bengals Wire. Uh, from a couple of days ago in the, the headline, Jesse Bates Bengals standoff continues as another franchise tag at Domino Falls. Um, and so that is where, where they're, what's being referenced is the David Njoku contract. He got a big deal with the Browns. And to me, that was, if you followed, I know he's not the biggest name in the league, but if you followed David yeah. Njoku and his relationship with the Browns, this was really unexpected because there was, you know, there was a franchise tag and there was like, you know, he's going to be traded. Might, might he be cut? And now all of a sudden he gets this mega deal with the Browns to stick with him. It's been just a weird, weird relationship between the two parties there. But regardless, that is just, you know, another kind of piece to the puzzle of franchise tag guys getting long-term contracts. And here, sits Jesse Bates uh, still at odds with the franchise, uh, you know, in terms of getting a long-term deal there. I don't know if you kind of connected the dots or not with this specific example, but um, it still is something that continues to bear repeating in some ways without any updates that are positive at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know the full details on uh, what, what his deal was they signed. Do you know the, the money with it? 
I think it was either three or four. I have to go back and look three or four years. And it was, I mean, it, it was a lot of money. Um, yeah. And then you can see here, as Chris notes, I mean, he caught 36 passes last year and he got a mega million, you know, multi, multi, multi-million dollar deal, multi-year deal. Um, and I think he had one 100 yard game in his, I think it was his entire career. And that was last season. Um, yeah. And he's known for drops as well. A little bit, but he's highly athletic and he is, a, he is, a, when he's a, when he's on, he's a good player. When he's integrated mm-hmm. into the offense, he's a good player. But you can see the numbers uh, do not really add up to the contractual right. numbers. So yeah, production. Um, and, and so then you're. T- I think really what Chris is trying to, and I don't want to speak for him here, but what he's trying to convey is, you know, maybe a player that, in the eyes of a lot, this is a stretch and an overpay for a player like David Njoku by the mm-hmm. Browns, and then you've got a player who has a second team All Pro designation in his very recent resume and Jesse Bates and he can't get the deal that he's seeking. Um, even though he may be a, a player who in a lot of eyes, may be a little bit more deserving of one than mm-hmm. a guy like David Njoku. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, the way the, the Bates thing is going to go is um, he's either like, we're either just going to move, move on and uh, not pay him uh, the amount that he's trying to get. Um, Cause historically the Bengals just do not like to pay uh, safeties, um, large contracts. Um, I kind of understand it from a cap standpoint. Um, but at the same time I could, I think the only way you really see Jesse back with us is maybe if he pulls something like the, uh, TJ Watt move, um, and is just like, Hey, uh, um, thanks. Thanks for the help, you know, talking to his agent, but, uh, I'm going to take this deal. Um, right. Because I, I think the Bengals are just going to stand their ground. They're, they're, they're not going to. I don't think there's any way that we he gets in the 17 to 18 million range per season or um, close to 50 million guaranteed. I just don't think the Bengals want to do that with the safety with the contracts they have coming up. Yeah, here's Dan uh, giving us the the research. I should have had the number in my back pocket there. I knew it was I knew it was in that range. Yeah, I didn't uh, didn't have the exact numbers. I knew it was a three or four year deal, and so he probably got at least 25 or 30 guaranteed. Oh, yep, yep. And a player again who just whose numbers don't necessarily predicate that, but um, at any rate, that's just something again to watch now with the Jesse Bates saga that continues with the Bengals. Yeah. Um, we're going to kind of breeze through these next few uh, for the sake of time uh, and kind of close up a little bit of some Bengals talk and transition into a- some quick things with the AFC North and the NFL. Before we do, want to remind folks that we are joined by Josh Isles of WDN Today and the Hoode Nation Facebook page and. All of its glory of 160,000 <laughs> subscribers to that uh, to that page. So um, we'll pin those again before we get out of here so you can go like that Facebook page and go subscribe to his YouTube channel where he has the WDN Today podcast. Happy to be joined by Josh. And uh, I was it. pleased. Yeah, pleased to be on, on your show last week. Before we do, here's just kind of some sights and sounds in case you missed it on Twitter um, from some of the big wigs who cover the team. Uh, on the media front, this is from Joe Daneman of Fox 19. Just a little bit of uh, Burrow to Chase here. Video, we'll, we'll play it on loop a couple times. Nice little play there. Looks like a beautiful day in Cincinnati as well. Probably starting to warm up quite a bit. Reminds um, me of that KC catch for 72. Yeah, there you go. Yep, yep. Uh, where he just burned everybody across. Yeah. That is actually a, an astute observation. Yeah. yeah it's uh, like the same similar. scene. 
Yeah, very, very uh, similar there. So we'll we'll move on to Mike Petralia, friend of our program, great guy at Trags or T R A G S on Twitter. We will uh, play this one for you. This is Burrow and Boyd getting some work in on on field workouts, OTAs here. And what's cool about this, as we know, Josh, um, this is this was not this was not the case last year. Uh, Burrow, you know. The intensity level was not the case last year. Obviously, he was taking it easy with the knee and all kinds of stuff. So then you've got the, you know, potentially, I don't know if you want to call it light years ahead, but you've got the Bengals being ahead of the game with Burrow getting more on-field workouts and more intense workouts at this point in the summer as opposed to last year, which is uh, nice. And that's a great catch by Boyd there. You like that. So, um at any rate, that's a that's a couple there. We've got one more from Paul Daner Jr. who does an excellent job as well covering the, the Bengals. This is kind of plays into my point here. And I, I don't know if you saw this one, Josh, but uh, Burrow was staying after practice and doing some extra sp- sprints. Um, so, and then he said uh, he doesn't do it after every session, but sometimes. Um, and I guess he was wearing something where they were kind of monitoring that. But again, when you talk about Burrow last season – yeah, Burrow last season at this point, uh, you know, in terms of his knee and whatnot and where he's at right now. We'll do one more quick one here as he goes. Um, I mean, he was bracing all last year, right? And kind of, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, let's take it easy. Let's take it easy. Hey, um, it's looking good, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and, uh, you know, no no brace obviously running there. And, and a couple of weeks ago, we – talked about how burrow out there in practice had a brace on his knee and it's unknown whether or not he was going to be wearing that he, he kind of is undecided if he's going to wear that again during the season i i kind of would think he probably will but i think I he will know. yeah i there were a couple times where i'm like oh gosh some of the hits he took i was like oh that looked pretty ugly so right and, uh, and that's the thing is it's not even necessarily for you know protecting him while he's running around but just if he takes a hit and it's you know just having that there just as an extra yeah, just board system. Keep things intact. Yeah, yeah just leave it there. <laughs> uh, lastly, and not to end on a sour note with the Bengals side of things, there is a little bit more in the NFL stuff that, that includes Bengals players. But uh, if you if you listen to our show last Wednesday night, John, Sharon, and myself, and of course, why wouldn't you have listened? But if you listened to our show last week, we kind of asked the question at the end of the show, or John asked the question at the end of the show, why – the media, you know, Jackson Carmen finally had one of his first open media sessions after a practice last week. And, you know, it wasn't really asked about this elephant in the room story that has been sitting out there that broke about a month or so ago now yeah. from the site Defector. And Paul uh, Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic uh, noted on Twitter here that Jackson Carmen, he was asked about it. At, apparently, I guess it was today on Tuesday, he was asked about it um, and... Uh, he had no comment. He declined to comment uh, according to what Paul Daner Jr. of the Athletics says here. So um, it's it's I don't know if it's good or not that he was asked about it, but at least the media has, I guess, reached out to him about that and he has not commented on it. Uh, I can tell you, Josh, I've um, you know, I, I relayed a little bit of a story, just a little peek behind the curtain. I When I was first with Cincy Jungle, when I first joined, I had an interview opportunity with Dre Kirkpatrick 
when he was, um, I think it was a rookie or his second year or what have you, but he was battling injuries at the time before I kind of recorded or, or took down answers of what he was saying. They kind of said, don't ask him about his injury status at this point because it was in season and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So sometimes folks prompt you about what you can or cannot ask. Um, but, you know, these are open media sessions. So apparently they asked him about it and he declined to comment. Yeah, um, there's a lot of different reasons, I guess, for that. You know, obviously preventing certain legalities or whatever that might be going on. But um, I also kind of look at it from um, if you just want to observe it from like just looking at the team and the social media and what Joe Burrow posts. And um, if this was something I feel that was um, very serious, um, we might be losing Jackson Carmen to suspension or something of that sort. You wouldn't see them them posting Jackson Carmen like they do. Uh, Joe Burrow putting him on his bodyguards post and tagging him in it uh, amongst the tar uh, amongst the starters, which they're having him at left guard at left guard number one. What I've seen in OTAs, um, I just I don't, I don't think that um, that's how they would be going about it if they thought this guy was uh, gonna be in some kind of trouble moving forward. Yeah, and then you know other it it seems that there are very few other outlets um right also reporting it i'm not saying this you know that means anything or doesn't mean anything sure. it's just you know there's one major outlet that has published this story and and that's kind of been it to this point apparently some teams knew about this though it sounded like in the draft process so um again it's just kind of i think we're all in a wait and see situation and um you know uh, carmen has just decided decided to not comment on it at this time and kind of let things play out. So I, I think we'll all have to kind of be on a wait and see thing. But, you know, as of last week, we we had thought that he was not asked about it. And then now, um, according to Paul Janer Jr., was asked about it and has declined to comment. So Yeah, and uh, who knows what the truth is of the situation. Uh, that, but to me, just the timing feels a little odd um, of when it came up. Uh, but, you know, um, sometimes in those kind of things, just it doesn't always you don't always um, have people come forth or bring it up again until years later. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, I just I hope it works out for everybody the best. You mm -hmm. know, yeah, uh, let's are, are you all right on time, Josh? You need to get scooting. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing OK. I'm off today. So no worries. OK. All right. Uh, we'll kind of start coming to a close here and uh, moving through some things a little bit quicker as we go through the AFC North. Definitely not going to share as many articles on, on the other teams there as we do with the Bengals, because <laughs> obviously this is Bengals centric. But let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They signed Miles Jack, a talented linebacker from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Miles Jack, um, I, I won't go into too much detail here, but you can see the article from Behind the Steel Curtain, which is the SB Nation Pittsburgh Steelers kind of uh, blog, similar to Cincy Jungle there. They, they write up a lot of good stuff there. But Miles Jack attributes culture as the biggest difference with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's interesting there. Miles Jack made that move. And in season last year, um, the, the other linebacker's name escapes me that the Bengals pursued in free agency a couple of years ago. Ja Jaguars paid a ton for him and then traded him off to Pittsburgh. And um at any rate, yeah, as we know, up. we can we can say whatever we want about the Pittsburgh Steelers and how whatever. We cannot deny the culture and the fact that they are a winning franchise, mm -hmm. though that winning usually comes in spurts, whatever you want to call it. Uh, 
they are a flagship NFL franchise, like it or not. And I'm sure uh, you can agree. And Miles Jack definitely seems to agree. Uh, yeah, and uh, I just thought about this, uh, that it's, it's a common denominator for me over the years with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the St. Louis Cardinals being a Reds fan as well, um, mm-hmm. that I hate these teams, I hate these franchises, <laughs> um, but I got a lot of respect for what they do, and every time I see them draft a guy or pick up a guy, in the back of my mind, the reason that I hate it and dislike the, the move is because I know of how how good of a move it is and like how, uh, how nice of a fit that guy is going to, you know, like go in there and, and join the cult, the culture they have. And he's only going to blossom. You know, you have a guy like miles Jack, who it's been a stud in Jacksonville. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he just absolutely blooms in Pittsburgh as well. And I hate that, but, <laughs> you know, yeah, but, uh, yeah. but it's, it's, you know, the same thing when you look at the Cardinals, I think, uh, over the years, you had examples. I don't know if you're a baseball guy, but uh, like they picked up Matt Holiday, who was on the mm-hmm. A's and Rockies, and yep. just kind of underappreciated. And he went there and practically had a Hall of Fame career. Um, yep. and I just knew when I he was one of those guys. Ah, oh, man, <laughs> hate that because that's a good move. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt Holiday, man, that's a name I haven't heard for a long time. But yeah, yeah. definitely a. a High, high quality baseball player. Uh, quote, I had been in Jacksonville for six years, Miles Jack said, so I didn't know any other organization. I didn't know any other way. So coming here, it's a new culture, new everything, but it's been better for me. And he added, I enjoy coming to work every day. It's been great. So the un- uncomfortableness is just more learning a new scheme, getting acclimated, figuring out a new city, moving, all that type of stuff. So it's been fun. It's been great. It's the culture. That's what people always say. But coming for I, from where I came and coming here, you see yeah. why this team is successful. Ooh, that that's, is a that's a rough remark if you're a if you're a Jags fan. Ooh, yeah, but wow. it but it's, it's it makes so much sense. Like it's it, it is is a very dramatic jump, especially when you think about the Jag, not only the Jags but the Jags run by Urban Meyer most of the last year, um, and we know how much of a, a train wreck that kind of was. Um, sadly, that that did not go well. Um, so I can only imagine going from that locker room where you had all those kind of issues and drama and lack of organization. And then you go to Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers who he's got two Super Bowl rings and, you know, all the history in this franchise. And then you've got all these top players in that locker room. It's a big shift. Yeah. And you go from talking, who was it? Shad Khan, the, the owner of, of uh, the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. now to Omar Khan, um, who has been tabbed the new GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is on Steelers.com here. Continuity with some change is the title from Bob Labriola talking about the onboarding of Omar Khan here, um, going to be the new general manager. And um, obviously we picked a guy we know very well. Here's the article. I'll pin that in the live chats for folks, but here's the thing um, that I think says a lot here. And when you go back, I remember quotes years ago from Mike Brown saying, you know, as much as the rivalry is there, he admires what the Steelers are, what they do, how they operate because of the built-in loyalty and that loyalty for them usually reaped a ton of rewards. The continuity, like you mentioned with Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. despite things that never had a losing season in his time there. Think about that. Never has had a yeah. losing record Ridiculous. as a Steelers head coach. Um, you know, obviously sticking with Ben Roethlisberger as long as they did, and they made Super Bowls and all kinds of different things. So continuity there has worked out quite a bit for the for the Steelers. 
The Bengals tried to do a lot of the same things and unfortunately didn't work out to the same level in a lot of different respects, but starting to pay off a little bit more now. But that's kind of the, the tone here where they went with someone familiar and that familiarity, loyalty, and continuity is something that they value. And that's something that you hear a lot with the Bengals as well. Yeah, hopefully they uh, lack continuity moving forward at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it seems like they might, but um, yeah. So it's a possibility they got a, a bridge Mitchell Trubisky and then a uh, tiny hands uh, Kenny Pickett. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I, I've kind of thought. And by the way, go go read this. It's a good read. Just kind of learning about the the Steelers GM and just getting some quotes there. But um, I, I've said this. I think that it's a there's a very strong possibility, or you know, it's a somewhat strong possibility that the Bengals in their two games against the Steelers this year they may face two different quarterbacks in those games. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, depending on how the season goes for those teams and they may want to rush pick it onto the field. If they go with Trubisky, maybe even Mason Rudolph gets in there at some point. I don't know. And our second game with them is after the bye. So, yep. Yep. And that's even be more, more time to when you transition a quarterback. Absolutely. Let's quickly go to the Baltimore Ravens here. And Lamar Jackson has not been in attendance at OTAs. There's obviously a, a lingering con long-term contract situation that's headed out there. So I don't see this. I, I, I don't see it as a big deal really mm -hmm. for them or anything like that. I think it's more just of a, maybe a slight PR knock against Lamar. Just you're the franchise quarterback, quote unquote, you want the new deal. You want all this stuff and you're not at OTAs in the grand scheme of things. I think we all understand why it's the same for a lot of reasons, it's the same way that same reason Jesse Bates is not at OTAs, but I, it's just different responsibility as the quarterback, I suppose, in this situation. Yeah, uh, and I get it from you know a business standpoint, but uh, yeah, from the quarterback standpoint, I think the the Ravens are kind of um, switching around their top wide receivers this year, so it, it would be good to see him getting some some snaps with his new guys. But uh, you know, it's it's OTAs, so I don't hold like you said, I don't hold a lot of weight with it, but. You know, a quarterback and new wide receivers, I think everybody would like to see them getting snaps together. You, sir, are the king of the segue because you talked about <laughs> new passing options. And here it is right here. Mark Andrews, the Ravens tight ends are going to be scary. As yeah, because well. <laughs> they'll only be throwing to him. That's the only guys he's got yeah. to throw to. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, a lot has been made a bit about the the Ravens transition back to what they were a couple of years ago, which is run, 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 let Lamar run, controlled passing, use those big talented tight ends, occasional big play in the passing game, but really run the football, screen passes, use the athletic running backs, athletic tight ends, and that seems to be how they've rebuilt their team this year. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a good identity for their offense. It's the true identity with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, honestly. Um you know, in the NFL, you can't try to be something you're not. Um, and, you know, Lamar Jackson isn't going to lead a, a spread throw down the field offense uh, where he's throwing 40, 50 times a game. Um, so, yeah, it, it only makes sense to run heavy um, options, throw into the tight ends, um, trading away uh, wide receivers that are eventually going to cost you a lot of money. Um, I, I, I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, wide receivers, there's a lot of wide receiver talents in the league these, these days. Um, and I think with how they value it and use it, um, it's not necessary to keep a guy around that might eventually cost you 20 million a season. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Mark Andrews, one of the best also, and it's his respective position, but going to be interesting. Right, how, how are you feeling about what the Ravens have done, though, in terms of, you know, with a big knock last year was kind of, of course, you know, the Bengals got them because they were really banged up. And there's some truth to that, of course, yeah. but I think the Bengals snuck up on a lot of people and the Bengals are a talented team. So I, I, I don't, I don't think it's just one thing, right? I think it's a myriad. I of agree. Things, but when you look at, when you look at the Ravens and what they've done and that they're healthier, do you see them as a much bigger threat this year? Or do you see them as kind of the same threat that you saw them last year? I think if they, they come into the season more healthy, they are going to be uh, more a threat healthy than they were last year. And, you know, I don't think it was the only reason for them not winning the North and us dominating them, but uh, it was a factor. Um, you can't say it's not injuries in the NFL are, you know, they decide a lot in NFL history. There's a lot of different directions. Things could have gone if it wasn't for a handful, a few injuries on a team. Um, you know, in the off season, it seems like their moves were kind of uh, reactive to what they needed to um counter against what we're doing um it seems like they tried to add a little more depth in their secondary um i i still think we're a, a much better team though uh the, i think the thing that um anna Rumo, which is, is this is crazy but he kind of like started um the exposure of how how to stop lamar jackson jackson and you get a guy with enough speed and just spy him the whole game Yep. And, and they were just similar, uh, similar to Mahomes too. I mean, similar yeah. to Mahomes, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a lot of the time we were just uh, spying with Jesse Bates and he was just falling up, shadowing him around the field. Um, and if you do that to a guy that's going to have to run 15 times a game and, um, and, you know, try and make plays on his feet, it, it, it changes it a little bit, I think. Yeah. Uh, we are going to move on to the Cleveland Browns here, but I mean, just to, to your point a little bit, it's kind of cool to see not only the, the division, but the conference kind of play a little bit of a chess match and play catch yeah. up a little bit to what the Bengals have done, how they've built their team and what they did last year. It's kind of cool to see everybody kind of scramble to, to keep pace with the Bengals. It's uh it's, it's pretty refreshing. Um, this is from Brown, clevelandbrowns.com. Deshaun Watson, obviously a hot-button topic for a variety of reasons, but uh, he apparently, via Anthony Poisel of clevelandbrowns.com, Deshaun Watson showing eagerness to forge bonds with new Browns teammates. So huh. a guy who didn't really want to, by all indications, didn't really want to land in Cleveland until they guaranteed him every cent of this contract that he signed with them. Um he is now kind of embracing his role now with, with Cleveland. We don't know if there's going to be a forthcoming suspension of, uh, of any kind or how long, if anything, with all of the allegations and whatnot that are surrounding Deshaun Watson, but he is trying to integrate himself in his new team. And you've got quotes like from Pro Bowl running back, Nick Chubb quote, he's a great guy to be around. We all love him. He's a very natural leader. He's been at OTAs since they've started. He took us all on a trip. Um, so take that for what you will. I don't like to, spend a ton of time talking to Sean Watson, uh, Josh, for a variety of reasons, but um, he is uh, apparently showing um, some signs of being the leader that they want him to be in Cleveland. Yeah. And um, I mean, when you get 230 mil guaranteed, uh, I guess it, it, it's a nice look to, um, you know, become friends with all your new teammates by taking them on a vacation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, there, there's so many different ways to unpack the Deshaun Watson situation, but uh, it's 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 smart what he's doing. You know, trying to to anchor himself, root himself into that franchise, uh, and 
he's obviously going to be there for a while, or at least we think. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I know the Browns have done a lot of stupid stuff over the the course of their their existence, but it would have been pretty stupid if they see impending suspension or trouble coming and they gave him all that guaranteed money. Um, yeah. I just hope they did their due, due diligence to <laughs> and that's, offer. Yeah. yeah. But we'll, we'll see how it plays debatable. out. I guess. Yeah. Right. And I guess it's, you know, now coming out at, as what it seems like obvious news that they're going to maybe release Baker Mayfield um, or try yeah. and trade him. Um which was like I even was surprised to see those reports because it just seems like he's already not been a Brown for over a month, right? Um, like ever since the Deshaun news broke and he came out and started talking, it I almost just already thought he was <laughs> off the roster. <laughs> very interested to see where Baker lands. Very very interested. That's yeah. that's for sure. Uh, Greg Newsom, talented cornerback. They've got some good defensive backs on this team here. Um, it's a possible slot cornerback role, a benefit to me. This is also from Anthony Poison on clevelandbrowns.com, but you've got Denzel Ward, whom they locked up long-term, a very good outside boundary corner. You've got Greg Newsom, who I believe was drafted last year. I, I think they've still got uh, – they still have Greedy Williams on the team too. I mean, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of good defensive players that, uh, unfortunately for them, have been hurt the past couple of seasons. I think they had Grant Delpit who got hurt as well talented safety out of LSU. Um, so, I mean, they've got some players there, some names, um, but they're going to try and make things work here. And Newsom is going to play slot corner. And of course, that'll be a matchup to watch with him and Tyler Boyd. Yeah. The, the Browns are definitely knowing to sleep on. I think um, if they stay healthy and Deshaun Watson is what they hope him to be, they, they're going to be, they're going to be tough. Um you mentioned Denzel Ward, and I, I had a nightmare of that that hundred yard pick six. Oh right? God! I, I I still stand by that game. That game was a blowout, but if that play doesn't happen, the momentum doesn't shift, and it it it's not the same game. Um, because we were driving on that and about about to put it in the end zone, and it swings seven points the other way, and just like that, yep. you, it's an entirely new game. Yep. And for some reason, the Cincinnati Bengals. And Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow have just not figured out ways to beat. Uh, he I, Joe Joe hasn't beat him. Uh, yeah. the Browns. Um, and and Zach, in six tries, has only got one win. Um, at the end of that 2019 season, I think was was, was when that occurred. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean they got to figure that out. Uh, especially this year, they got to be able to get past the Browns, regardless of who's going to be playing quarterback for them when they when they face off. Uh, I just hope for that Halloween game on Monday Night Football. They uh, they give us the sweetest uniform combinations because you got <laughs> yeah. two teams with orange and black colors, orange and black, and orange and brown color schemes on yeah. Halloween. Like one of those teams needs to be wearing orange. Like you need to like. I, I could I digress. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a it's a it's a funny point. I didn't even really think about that. Yeah, so they'll have to. Someone's gonna have to wear orange. You may even get the Bengals wearing the. Those alternative white uniforms. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how they're how they're going to play that. Or or one orange, one black. You know what I mean? Well, I, uh, I think those those white color rushes are retired now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd like to also see him bring back the the old school pumpkin, the the Ken Anderson Bengals. I wouldn't be for, mad at that. Like, like one game. Yeah, people were like, "Oh, they look like the Browns uniforms," and it's like, "Yeah, it's because the same family started both teams." Um, right. But uh, but I agree with you. I think those are like. 
I think it's really cool when, um, you know, teams like the Packers do that or then they got those really, really throwback looks. Um, and you just wear it one game out of the year. Um, and they, I think they just changed uh, that the helmet rules recently, which um, would make it a lot easier of a situation uh, for the Bengals to, to be able to do that. Because before you had the one helmet rule um, where, you know, they couldn't have alternate helmets, a secondary helmet where it's painted differently and stickers. If you wanted to design a helmet differently, they have to peel all the stickers off the week in between and, and redesign it. And with the Bengals stripes, you're just you're sending your their equipment managers through living hell to, to redo those every every other week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the throwbacks are are interesting and unique. I'd really like to see the Bengals do it. I just just you know maybe for the Ring of Honor or something if it makes sense or yeah. Ring of Honor week or oh that would be really whatever. cool in Canton. Yeah, yeah. Do something like that, but um, uh, yeah, we'll 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 have to see what they do for Halloween there. That's that's an interesting thought. I didn't really think of that. Yeah. And um, I was, I was, I was sad that that no, just random side note with that. I was sad that the Halloween game is in Cleveland and not Cincinnati this year. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Ugh, ugh. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go to some just a couple of quick NFL pieces of news and then get on out of here. We've gone long, but it's been an awesome show chatting with Josh, and I appreciate his time. A uh, name that's gonna live in infamy and Bengals minds yeah. for a really long time, Aaron Donald. But he apparently be a Nick Shook of NFL.com. As of Tuesday, he is, quote, at peace with potential retirement, but wants to recapture the feeling of winning the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, uh, so the the quote, I think this is on Brandon Marshall's <laughs> I Am Athlete podcast. Um, it ain't about the money, but it's a business at the end of the day. That's what you've got to see. For me, it's about winning. I don't want to play football if I can't win anyway. So I feel like I, if I got a real opportunity to win another Super Bowl, then it makes sense to play. But again, it's still a business. I've got to handle the business side of things. And if that wasn't to get handled, then, you know, it is, it is what it is type of situation. I'll be fine regardless. So it sounds like, you know, it, it may Contract be boys. Well, that and it may be retire or or Rams. I mean, it doesn't seem like, you know, it's not like he's I, I think he's fine with potentially retiring. It could be like a Gronk thing. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, to a lesser extent because he never won a Super Bowl and his team wasn't that successful. But still a guy who kind of retired a couple guys from this franchise who retired seemingly at the top of their game. Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders, where they just kind of said, hey, you know, I'm just kind of done. Um, yeah. I don't, I'm my body's still kind of intact and I can go out on a high note, so to speak, whether it's perf- individual performance, team performance, both. And that kind of seems to be where Aaron Donald's head's at here. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it seems like I think this is actually the second time that this story has kind of resurfaced. He talked about it. It was either a little bit before or a little bit after the Super Bowl. Um, he, I, I don't remember the exact quotes then, but there was, there was already like vague talks of like, you know, this, you know, he, he could walk away. Like it wasn't like he was being definitive, but um, the fact that he's already talked about it a couple times this off season is, is kind of interesting. Um, it's clearly on his mind. Um, and with the NFL now, these guys make so much money that um, you can, uh, you can play eight years and then walk away with um, maybe a, a lot less damage to your body and, yep. and, and still live in, in, essentially retire i mean a lot of these guys don't go on to retire they they work in a lot of different other avenues and continue to make money but um it's a nice spot to be in compared to 25 35 years ago uh 45 years ago where these guys had to 
go after their NFL careers and probably, uh, you know, had to work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's a good point. Uh, this is from Bucky Brooks on NFL.com. Uh, his take recently is just talking about CD land, but the thing is down here, the Madden cover and depending on how you feel about it, this may be a, a blessing from Bucky Brooks. If this ends up coming to fruition here, because the Bengals would have avoided the Madden curse if they go with one of this route. Tom Brady, Travon Diggs, interesting name there. Josh Allen, TJ Watt, and Cooper Cup are his five that he would like to see make the Madden 23 cover. No Jamar Chase, no Joe Burrow, no T. Higgins, no Joe Mixon, nobody from the Cincinnati Bengals there. Does that rub you the wrong way? Or are you saying, hey, go for it, Madden. Take those one of those five and let's let's move on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just about worried um... – I, I'm good with just whatever. I, I would rather not a Bengal be on there because of the the curse isn't a hundred percent, but it's a pretty strong winning percentage. Um, I just would rather not see a Steeler on there. That's all. The, the uh, <laughs> I, I buy Madden every year, and the year that Antonio Brown was on the cover, I just bought the game electronically because I didn't want to have the the case. Oh yeah, I, I, the Antonio Brown one you said yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was like, I'll just buy this electronically so I don't have to have a picture of a Steelers player sitting in my you know, entertainment center. Uh, there you go. I like it. Um, the the Bucks are the, – the rich are kind of getting richer here a little bit. They are signing former Bears defensive tackle Akeem Hicks, one of the better available free agents, talented player. Um, and the he's – essentially, it sounds like he's going to be – Dominican Sue's replacement uh, yeah. in some in some form there. Sue was with the team for a little while there and had the one year deal last year with the team. And uh, to my knowledge, Sue is still out there unsigned. So they went with Akeem Hicks here, and it's a one year deal worth up to ten million. I think that was maybe a name some Bengals fans were thinking as a Larry Ogunjobi replacement or something of that nature. That's a pretty hefty one year deal, though. Um, still. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but it's just kind of a little bit of NFL news. The Bucks yeah, get no, a little bit, a little bit better yeah. on defense. The Bucks, you know, they, they it's it's the Tom Brady effect. Um, you just you're going to have uh, talented veterans that are going to want to come in on those kind of deals. Um, I think Hicks, if I'm not mistaken, is a, a little more versatile than than Sue is um, on a defensive line as far as where he can move around, but. Um, you're you're probably right there. He's 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 probably gonna take those snaps. I'm, I'm kind of curious, even though Sue's old, um, he's still gonna be a nice little plug-in piece wherever he goes. I, I'm I'm assuming he's probably just gonna sign after camp somewhere. You know, that's a contender right. and needs a needs a in, interior guy. Um, it'll be See interesting. If an injury or something, yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, the the Bucks are actually one of the road games I'm gonna go to. So. Uh, nice. Yeah, Tom Brady versus Joe Bur- Burrow. That's gonna be fun. That should be a good one. Paul Blanton, yeah. by the way, with the the comment of all comments. I love that. Two K I mean, football. Two K yeah. football. football was oh. where it was at. No yeah. offense, Madden football, but Two K football. That was oh man. Well, yeah, was. and it, it was a little uh, cheat codeish though that uh, you know, the turbo was Mash X. Because <laughs> um, if you had a quick thumb, you could outrun anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I uh, I loved that game, man. That was a, and then you could create your own team, create your own. Yeah, I, re- I remember the one with a uh, to on the front, extending his arm up. Yeah, uh, the, yep. in the Eagles uniform. 
Yeah, I, I, that, yeah, where he's reaching. Yeah, that was a yeah. great one. Love that. I think that was two K five that someone else had mentioned there. Um, all right, so we're we've got just two more quick ones that we are out of here. Kind of one one fun one, and unfortunately one sad one. And we we don't want to end the show on a sad note, but um, you know it's news worth sharing. Uh, this is from CBS Sports ranking the twenty two NFL triplets. The Chargers get the number one spot, just besting out the Bengals, Burrow, Chase, et cetera. I'm going to scroll down. You see here, there's there's about 15 listed on here, or 16. Dallas Cowboys are seven. Best of the best, the Rams at six, the Bucks at five. You see the Chiefs at four, Bills at three, and there's the Bengals at two. The Chargers at one, Herbert, Eckler, and Keenan Allen beating out Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase. I don't know what your thoughts are. Eckler's interesting. He's a guy that not a lot of people yeah. talk about, but he is he is a very uh, very good dual threat player. Um, He's fancy and, running back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mixon, I mean, a lot of people talk about him as a talented running back, but they don't talk about him as a receiver as much, which is interesting as well. But mm-hmm. regardless – you see here, very close neck and neck, but the Chargers went out on this arbitrary list of triplets for the year here. I think it's I think it's a little more the media bias, just a little bit. Like I, I understand a lo- the reasoning where they're probably uh, they're probably edging Keenan Allen just based on pure resume. Um, and then, like you said, Eckler's a nice dual threat guy. Where if you're in a PPR fantasy league, that's the guy you want because um, he can get eight catches as a running back. Um, but I just with with our the trio of players we have, um, and then if you think about like Mixon especially, he hasn't played behind a good offensive line in his NFL career, and nope. I'm pretty sure he has at least uh, like five thousand plus career rushing yards. He, like he's had like three or four eleven hundred plus yard seasons behind garbage lines. Yep. Um, really bad lines where he's uh, there was even a, a few years back where he led the AFC in rushing and it was, we had a, a, a just a not, not good offensive line. Um, so yeah, that's the Alex Redmond, Bobby Hart, uh, yeah. all, kinds of, all kinds of players that were in front of him there that you go, how, I don't even know how he was able to. And then, you know, at, at, if we're talking like 2018, what have you, I mean, he's, he's got Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. It's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like, I, I don't know how he was even producing. Um, <laughs> at that right. Point, so I, I think if Joe Mixon is healthy, he has a chance where he's going to, uh, he could flirt with 2000 all purpose, uh, you know, in a 17 game season. Um, and if he were to play 16 or 17 games, um, I'm, I think that that's perfectly reasonable. I think last year he was off the top of my head, at least around like maybe 17 because he had about, what, 1,200 and then 400 mm-hmm. plus receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> like we said, we've, we've only seen Joe Mixon do, put up these numbers behind very below average offensive lines while you have these other teams, including the Chargers, who they haven't had a good – given they have not had a good offensive line for Justin Herbert, but it has been measurably better than the Bengals' offensive line has been in the past few years. Um, so just saying that, uh, you know, and maybe a little bias, but I like to try and look at things unbiased. I would give the Bengals the nudge. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, you it's could close. Go either yeah. Way, but yeah. yeah. I mean, you could go either way with it. Uh, but a, a fun list and, and there's a lot of teams on there and a good breakdown there, whether or not you agree with number one, number two, how it's ranked on CBS sports. Sadly, 
This is uh, the, one of the last stories we'll have here for you, but um, a, a promising player had a, a little bit of um, some some bumps in his NFL career, but Jeff Gladney, former TCU quarterback, cornerback rather, and was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. Um, there was a, an off-field incident that caused him to be released by that team, and then Arizona picked him up. But unfortunately, he died in a car accident early on Monday morning. I think it was at about 10, 2.30 in the morning or whatnot. And another young lady, I think, also lost her life in the car accident. Um, there, you know, There's all, all kinds of details that you could see here. The cause of the crash and Gladney's death remain under investigation. So I don't know. There's not a lot of details out there aside from the very, very sad news of loss of life and uh, a a uh, former um, first round pick by the Vikings of just a couple of years ago, 25 years old, incredibly sad. Um, our hearts go out to his friends, family, and and the organizations that he was with, as well as the, the uh, TCU uh, who, you know, obviously he was very well thought of there too. So, um, you know, uh, un- unfortunately another sad off season story revolving around a young NFL player. Yeah, it's uh it's it's tough. I always uh, look at these these situations, especially involving like car accidents and things of that nature. Um, and it, it's just like you know, hindsight's obviously twenty twenty. But I always wonder with these young these athletes that they make good money, and uh, you know, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with going out and living your life and experiencing things as long as it's not affecting your job. But um, with them making good money, I, I never understood why uh, a lot of these these guys just 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 don't have somebody arranged that's going to be giving them rides to and from wherever they're going. Um, even if it's in the middle of the night, they they can make that happen. And again, you know, we don't know the full situation here, um, and everything is different. But I, I've always looked at these ones with with athletes where they're they're driving late at night, probably after a night out, um, and other things can happen. Um, why yeah, we don't, don't? Yeah, no, I yeah. get you. We yeah, don't and, I, and I don't want to, to. Right, I don't want to allude to the wrong things with his situation. We don't know what happened. Uh, maybe he was just at his friend's house, but like, just just driving late at night's not safe in general. Um, yeah, just, yeah. You know, get a get get a get a cab service. Uh, get a, your own private driver. That's mm-hmm. all I've thought about those same situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a, it's a sad story, and uh, we'll we'll see exactly, um, you know what what more comes of it. But very sad, and uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Gladney, unfortunately dead from a car accident at twenty five years old. Very unfortunate, very sad. Um, and he was, you know, kind of taking the next step in his career there to see exactly, um, you know, a new team and trying to get things going there. But uh, don't mean to end the show on a sour note on that front, but uh, definitely a headline worthy story we're gonna get out of here josh isles this is the youtube channel again wdn today a podcast that he runs uh i was on this one which was uh a lot of fun he and i i he gave me way more time than i gave him so i feel bad (laughs) about that but I, i am appreciative of your time josh i pinned the link uh to the youtube channel there in the live chat so um appreciate it yeah and then of course um i think pretty much everybody that watches this show or listens to this show is also in this Facebook group. I'm going to share. I put the link there in the um, in the live chats. The Facebook Hootay Nation, 160,000 
members. 159.9. That is crazy, mm -hmm. my friend. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> uh, you're blowing it up and you're doing awesome things. So thank you for all you do with, uh, you know, the content you provide covering the Cincinnati Bengals, covering the NFL and whatnot. And thanks for your time hanging out with me today, yeah. talking some Bengals, talking some headlines. It's great getting your insight and let's make it a, a more of a regular occurrence, man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Um, I, I had a great time today. We we got an hour and twenty minutes talking on here. Uh, I know. I'm sorry yeah. we went long, but it was good. No, it was good. I, yeah, I don't mind at all. I, I had plenty to talk about. I don't love. I love uh, bouncing these thoughts back and forth about just Bengals and NFL stuff. And uh, appreciate the shout outs with the pages. Yeah, it's uh, WD, WDN today on the YouTube, Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I've even done a few TikToks. So, uh, <laughs> trying to get the hang of that. Um, just putting out Bengals content. I don't do that. So I, yeah, I don't do the TikTok stuff. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not cool enough to do that. So I don't, uh, I don't know how that stuff goes. Oh, I don't know if I'm cool enough yet either. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, yeah. Thanks for everything. Thanks, yeah, for everything. Yeah. thanks for coming on and let's, uh, let's get you on again and anything you got going, um, whether it's through the page or your podcast or something, and we can help you out with it, let us know. And we'll, we'll be happy to do that. I just, uh, just right now, I appreciate just this liking and subscribing and, uh, just joining the action. Uh, got a lot, a lot going on on Facebook so far. Cause, uh, have that stream of, of the group to, um, to post through. Um, but would love to get more subscribers on YouTube to, to see the podcast. Awesome. Well, go, go listen to the man, go, go subscribe to that, uh, show with the YouTube link that we provided there and then go check out the Facebook page. You can ingrain yourself with some other passionate Bengals fans and get some discussions going, get all kinds of content on the Facebook page as well. Thanks, everybody. You can get this show on your favorite audio streamers. We are on all the major ones. You got to subscribe to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. And, of course, you got to also like the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. We have a lot there, but not anywhere close to Josh's page in terms of amount of likes on that Cincy Jungle Facebook page. But we stream there, so go get that. And then, of course, we're on our YouTube channel. Go subscribe to that. We appreciate all of the support. Appreciate your time, Josh, and everybody have a good week. We'll be back at it tomorrow. John Sheeran and myself, talking to more Bengals. Take care.